following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. Your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Like a little Egypt, she works down at the snake farm. Snake farm, it just sounds nasty. Snake farm, welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. That's a blast from the past. Ray Wiley Hubbard, I remember listening to him when I lived in Texas. I've always thought he's just fantastic, just flies under the radar. And you gotta know your music to understand Ray Wiley. All right, so this week, things started percolating back again in the stock market. Um, we had, uh, and, and Philip uh, brought out a, an interesting uh, article here about Hawaii, Harvard, uh, gambling on market calm, then everything changed. And this was a widespread uh, trade out there a couple of weeks ago where people were uh, basically shorting the VIX and it it got uh, handed to them. And you did some work around that uh, this week. And, um, you know, I just wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, you've got, you had people shorting the VIX and another big trade that uh, a lot of the pension funds were doing. They were actually uh, selling put options on on index on indexes and also just on just basic stocks alone um and you so when you sell a put option uh you know just for the the everyday joe out there what a put option is is it gives you uh you're selling someone the right to sell you something at a certain yeah they're they're holding at a certain price so what you're banking on is is that holding doesn't go down in value. Yeah. So if you're so if you're selling, then you you if you're selling a put, you have to be the buyer of that put at a certain price. Is that right? Correct. So if I sold you a put at a hundred dollars and stock was at a hundred and ten, well, I make money as long as the stock never goes below a hundred, you know, in the option contracts. Uh, but if it goes down to let's say fifty. I'm stuck buying it at a hundred from you. You're kind of like an insurer. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think a big part of this, when you break it down, is you know people were using this in their portfolios to to produce income because interest rates are so low. Because interest rates are so low, and you know, I think that when you look at you know, from from the everyday investor, when you look at your portfolio. You need to understand where your income is coming from. 
because selling selling options that's you're taking on a lot of excess risk that's right to create your income well and it's it's a prime example of one of those things that were working all of last year and then when it doesn't work it, it goes bad in a in a hurry well this article that you uh produced that came out of the wall street journal on uh valentine's day a decade of low bond yields pushed some of the most stability-minded investors to dabble in risky investments that depended on markets being orderly. Now those bets are looking problematic. In the past, pension funds, endowments, and family offices pursued relatively safe investments. After interest rates collapsed on the heels of the financial crisis, they ran into challenges paying pensioners and filling university budgets, and added riskier bets on hedge funds and venture capital in the hopes of winning better returns. So what's interesting to me on this is that the more sophisticated the investor sometimes, and I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers, um, the more potential screw-ups. And I, I, just, I just think of back in the 90s, long-term capital, you know, these were the smartest guys in Wall Street, and they about blew up the whole system. Yeah, the the old the old saying, uh, the old Kiss principle. You know, keep it keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that rings true there because the you know when when times are good, those more air quotes sophisticated investors, you know, they can probably produce some some alpha. But a lot of times they're the ones that create a lot of the volatility when things start to that's correct start to get a little hairy. That and that's what happened. It seems like was that uh, everybody was betting on this index. So consequently, we've had a re uh, the market has has come back and uh, rather nicely. So the Dow is now up two percent year to date. Um, one of the things that, that we try to talk to people about on a regular basis is uh, dividend growth investing. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that as we go farther into the hour. But, um, you know, it's not dependent really upon uh, the VIX or these kinds of things uh, necessarily being in sync um you've got to uh do your research in in that kind of situation and um you know people so much of of what people do is uh is gambling it uh it's really interesting the the longer i'm in the business the more i see it yeah Go ahead, Mike. You you look at uh, even the financial crisis. You know all these things. You know are synthetic or derivative type securities. You know the the VIX and the the inverse VIX and selling the put options uh, or the CDO CDO squared things back in the financial crisis. And they're trying to get outsized returns in a market that's just not uh, not willing to give that kind of a return. Yeah, it's 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 all about you know your your risk you're willing to take and your reward and and right sometimes you can get a little too counterbalanced there I guess in a term uh you know and and I think you touched on a good thing too Tom was that 
you, you talked about gambling and and you know there's a lot of times that the stock market itself you know we we have clients and potential clients come in and say oh I, you know i know investing in stocks is just a gamble and it, it gets kind of a bad a bad stigma at times it's you know if you just throw money blindly into an equity or blindly into a stock without doing your research that is considered a gamble but when you've when you've made an educated decision based upon the research of the stock or the bond or the bond or or you know any any investment of that nature does that necessarily make it a gamble if you've made an educated decision you have facts supporting you know why why you why you're doing that now you're investing exactly that's the difference which is, which is different stay with us you're listening to the Tom Dupree show it's news radio 630 WLAP real stories stocks plunging military parade in the memo daca for real life things that we have here in america with how much money i have my youngest son is in the military check in often for updates it affects your life every day news radio 630 wlap hi this is tom dupree jr market volatility it seems like it's definitely with us these days during times like this it pays to know what your investment plan is at Dupree Financial Group, we help retirement investors build dividend-producing portfolios from securities that pay dividends. If that's your plan as a retirement investor, then give us a call at 859-233-0400 or look at our website at DupreeFinancial.com and check us out on Facebook. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 right here on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. WLAP. Is this volatility we've been seeing normal? Is it a new normal? How do you look at it? Uh, I, I think it's like pretty normal. Uh, and, and, you know, if you look at the, the world, uh, the developed world will probably grow around 3% uh, this year. Could be wrong, could be three and a quarter, could be a little less. Uh, and, and the stock market was up about seven and a half, eight percent 8% in one month. So multiply that for 12 months, and, 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 and what do you get? You, you get stock market performance if you just annualize that somewhere in the 80s to 90% with 3% growth. That is simply ridiculous. And, and so uh, you, you, you had to stop that kind of compounding or else you, you, you have almost a whole year's performance in one month. And, and so what's going to happen in that scenario? Well, it's gotta go down uh, and you know, then it'll go up and then it'll go down. It'll just be a more volatile world but I sort of look like what should happen at the end of the day, not hour to hour, the way television works, or, or traders uh, work, or day to day, or week to week. I, I, I think uh, with the economy looking so good around the world uh, that, that we'll, we'll have an up year, uh, and it, it can't be hugely up, because we already did huge last year, 
and it, it'll find its way. And do you think more deal making this year or, or less in terms of private equity specifically? Well, j just generally, you usually have more deals when, when you know, the markets feel good and people are confident uh, in prospects for their own business. You seldom buy somebody else's business if your business is having trouble. So as, as business confidence remains high, uh, you, you'll, you'll probably see more activity. Back on the Tom Dupree show. Um, that's from uh, Steve Schwartzman, who uh, is an investor or actually the chairman of Blackstone. We do own Blackstone for our clients. Um, we uh, play that because um, Mr. Schwartzman is a pretty well-known uh, investor throughout the world, and um, he is looking at the the market and uh, and says, "Well, it seems that." Uh, and, and by the way, nothing on the show is ever considered a, a recommendation or saying that you should do something or, or not do something. But uh, uh, Mr. Schwartzman is a very close observer of markets and, um, and throughout the world being a, a private equity investor. So... Um, that's just his idea on why you've got volatility. One of the, we were, we were just talking a minute ago about, um, how it, it had to do with the, the VIX and, and some of those things, but that's more like a symptom. Um, you know, the market came up so strongly last year that, uh, Mr. Schwartzman there was, was saying, you know, it might be due for a pullback. Yeah, you had what almost twenty percent in the S and P five hundred last year, Mike. Uh, a little over that. A little over twenty percent. total return. Yeah, from a total return standpoint, and then the first it wasn't even the first full month because January twenty sixth was when the actual technical correction started to begin, and you know so twenty six days, first twenty six days of the year, the mark the S and P five hundred's up almost eight percent, uh, so. I mean, as he put it in the video, do you extrapolate that out and say the S and P is going to be up ninety percent year for the year, or you know, you you've got to consolidate that, and either you just everybody just stops buying and selling all together, which I've never I've never seen a market do that, or you know, the buyers stop buying, and then when you don't have a buyer on the buy side, that's when volatility tends to spike up because the guy puts out a sell order and there's nobody there to buy it. And and to the point of volatility too, um, you know, highly correlated markets in the last month and you know that's that goes to, you know, people following in lockstep with one another, especially, you know, I think the big uh reason for that is, you know, indexing and ETFs. Because you had, we we actually posted a thing on Facebook uh, early January. You know, the question was, is this a melt up that we're seeing in the market? And a melt up is where people that were on the sidelines finally say, okay, Uncle, I'm getting in because I'm tired of missing out on this stuff. 
So you had these record inflows into indexes and ETFs uh, at the first part of January. And then when you had that Friday, when you had the sell-off, that's when that money that just went in, a lot of that money started coming out. And when you own a, uh, an index, then you can't just say, okay, I don't like this company. You're making a broad market call. And you, you can't just sell one company. You're selling everything across the board. And when you have millions, billions of dollars moving out and moving in, that just causes everything to move in lockstep. Um, and that was you, you might talk a little bit from that article that. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's an article in uh, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Stocks are moving in tandem. That can be scary. Um, correlations among the S&P's 11 sectors. <clears throat> recently hit the highest level since uh, the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Um, shares of everything from manufacturers to banks to oil production companies are rebounding together after tumbling in unison earlier this month. Um, you look at uh, the correlation. So rising correlation can cre- create more violent downturns when stocks do fall as factors such as individual companies' earnings, potential, or financial records tend to become less important than the broader fears driving the selling in the market. Um, the three-month rolling correlation between the S&P 500 sectors rose on Monday of this past week to 0.73. A perfect correlation is one, meaning it moves in lockstep with the S&P 500. Uh, correlation of negative one means it moves perfectly in the opposite direction. So the, the, over the last three months, that correlation has risen dramatically to 0.73, which gives credence to the idea that you're, you're, this money that's been coming in and going out, it's just broad market calls. Now, for us, when we're looking at individual companies, um, at some point, I mean, in the, in the, when you're in Schwartzman talks about this, you know, he looks at the big picture. You have to have a perspective. Well, when fundamentals are thrown out the window, either if somebody's selling or buying, then when that volatility comes back in, fundamentals in the long run dictate what the stock price will be. And so volatility in the short run gives opportunities. Right. Exactly. And that's, I think back to uh, the old uh, Jack Bogle and Jim Grant debate uh, from the, the the Grants conference that you and Adarsh went to, Tom. And that's uh, you know, they they debated uh, passive investing versus active investing, and passive investing has been a growing piece for a number of years now. But even Jack Bogle, who's uh, He's the founder of Vanguard. Uh, he's he doesn't really run it anymore, um, but he does have an office over there. But even he stated that in the end, there there has to be a place for active investing because you have to have those people out there that that buy on fundamentals and don't just throw their money in there and hope that everything works out. That's kind of the difference between investing and gambling, like we talked about. That's right. So passive investing is what drives the market really these days when you think about it. It's it's where most of the money is. It's in the indexes. It's in the ETFs. It is in um, highly um, non-selected and non-researched uh, securities. 
and um, as such, it will always um, move at the whim of the market. It's always going to move at the whim of the market because it doesn't. It it is the market. Mm-hmm. It consists of the market, and it is the market. The reason why we um, do research on certain uh, securities is because we want to know what we own. Um, we can't emphasize it enough. Now, you might say, well, I don't want to own that. That's fine. Don't own it. Um, you know, there, there comes a point where um, you can't say an, an index can be too violent towards you in a down time. I, I keep uh, reminding myself of the time when a fella came to me once who had been, he'd been retired for about a year, and he was taking distributions from his uh, growth funds, which is more akin to an index. And uh, this was in 01 and 02, uh, the market the bottom fell out of it. And so his distributions were not fed by dividends. They were fed by, um, by, uh, growth principal liquidation. Mm -hmm. So, uh, he found himself in a bad spot. That's why it's always scared me to set up your, um, retirement portfolio purely from, uh, index and and growth related funds no matter well how well it has done it still concerns me right and then you look at uh the correlation in these things you can have times when bonds and stocks sell off but that doesn't necessarily affect the dividends yeah that's exactly right jerry jeff walker navajo rug i know that one Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Philip Sexton and Mike Johnson on News Radio 630 WAP. I'm Steve Drury, Senior Pastor of the Trinity Hill United Methodist Church, located at the corner of Tate's Creek and Armstrong Mill Roads. Have you ever wanted to attend a church where you thought you were home? A place where you felt you were a part of something? Trinity Hill United Methodist Church is a place where you are a part of something, part of God's family. Join us on Sundays for worship at our traditional service at 8.30 a.m., our contemporary service at 10.30 a.m., our Ghanaian African service at 12 noon, or our Spanish-speaking service at 6 p.m. We offer children and youth ministries grounded in biblical teachings, groups for college age and young adults, as well as groups for adults of all ages. So please join us at Trinity Hill United Methodist Church, where everyone is a minister. I hope you will come and worship with us this Sunday. Hi, this is Andy and Christina Shea with the Lexington Legends, hoping you will join us for the American Diabetes Association's Kentucky Tour to Cure on May 19th. We invite all walkers, runners, and riders to join us for a fun-filled day at Kingland with cycling routes along Kentucky's famous Bourbon Trail. All proceeds will fuel the association's critical work to find a cure for diabetes for your loved ones and ours. Register today at diabetes.org backslash Kentucky Tour or call 1-888-DIABETES. 
Parkland, Florida, grief mixed with growing anger over ignored warning signs about the 19-year-old suspected gunman, Nicholas Cruz. The FBI admitting that it failed to act after receiving a specific tip that Cruz had access to guns and a desire to kill. ABC's Adrian Bankert is there with what Cruz's attorney is now pushing for. That public defender has said he's hoping for a life sentence. Cruz has confessed to the killings. What's been absolutely frustrating is the number of red flags. The Sheriff's Department telling us they've received around 20 calls of concern about Cruz over the past few years. ABC's Adrian Bankert. Special counsel Robert Mueller's team announcing the indictment of 13 Russians Friday in connection with meddling in the presidential election in a plot that included using social media and unwitting Americans to peddle fake news and create discord. Today at the Winter Olympics in South Korea, Team USA striking some silver. John Henry Kruger winning the 1,000-meter short track speed skate event. Canada won gold. Michelle Franz and ABC News. It is another ugly day out there across central and eastern Kentucky. Locally, heavy rains. We'll see a high this afternoon, upper 30s and low 40s. Maybe a few wet snowflakes in there from time to time as well. As we go into Sunday, it gets better for one day. Highs mid-50s, mostly cloudy skies. Showers, scattered thunderstorms back into play by Monday near 70. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey. On your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. Here's another reason to buy your diamond at Genesis Diamonds in Louisville. It's their 110% diamond upgrade guarantee. Hey, it's Tom Leach, voice of the Wildcats, and when you buy a diamond at Genesis and decide later on you want to upgrade to a larger diamond, Genesis will give you 110% of your original diamond purchase price toward the new stone. This is incredible. So, for example, if you buy a $5,000 diamond today and decide a year from now you want to upgrade to a $6,000 diamond, Genesis will give you $5,500 toward the new diamond. That's a 10% guaranteed appreciation when you upgrade. Who else does this? Friends, this is why it is worth the drive to get your diamond at Genesis Diamonds in Louisville. They stand behind what they sell, and they put their money where their mouth is. And it's why Genesis is the official jeweler of the Kentucky Wildcats year after year. Genesis Diamonds, where Wildcat fans get engaged, and Kentucky's best selection of Swiss timepieces, too. On Shelbyville Road in Louisville, Genesis Diamonds. What a birthday party. The kids loved the crafts. The pizza was there when we arrived, and we all had fun at the museum. I liked the party room. That was fun. The birthday chair was cool. It was my best birthday ever. And they make it so easy. The staff is friendly, and the birthday buddy was a great help. What's your happy place? Explorium of Lexington, located in Victorian Square. Book your birthday party now. Find us at Explorium.com. 6.30 WLAP. Well, I'm going to get out my sycamore, shine up my shoes, meet my baby and tell her the news. Bet my bonnet on the sway back nag and I come home winner with plenty of swag. A one foot, two foot, sliver, drag, swing your honey to the sugar foot, right? Do a little jig and a zig and a zag. Little Jerry Reed, right? Yeah, I've been on the Jerry Reed kick this week, so I'm still convinced Jerry Reed invented rap music, but that's a argument for another time. It'll teach you to keep your uh, keys in your pocket. <laughs> I'm just happy they didn't mess with my Jerry Reed CDs. There you go. Um, Philip, you uh, pull an article from the Wall Street Journal that you wanted to look at. Um, 
So when when we're in the um, business of helping people with retirement investing, which is a lot of what we do, we're, we're kind of in the psychology business. And um, people have a certain way of thinking um, about retirement. And yet you bring out this article that's kind of a downer, uh, why so many men die at age 62. And uh, you might want to expound on that a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, as, you know, a fiduciary and investment advisor, you know, one of the things that we preach to our clients when we approach retirement with them is to, be sure that you've got a you've got a plan in retirement, not just a financial plan, but a life plan. You know, because <clears throat> I'll never forget one day. I, here's a story for you. I was at I was at the gym working out one day. It was I was at the Toyota gym and I was talking to this man and he was working out and he said, "Yeah, I've been here for almost thirty years now." I said, "Well, you, you go ahead and retire." He said, "I'll just die quicker. <laughs> I ain't doing that." And that's because it. There is a problem if you don't have anything to do. You know, a lot of times you you may just sit around and your health may decline. You've got to make sure that you have a hobby or have a plan that I'm going to go volunteer here, I'm going to do this, you know, just to keep your mind busy and, and your body more active. And that's kind of what this article touches on is that, so it was uh, Maria Fitzpatrick, uh, uh, she, Dr. Fitzpatrick, She's an associate professor of economics at Cornell University, and so she did this study and talks about there's a sizable 2% increase in male mortality at age 62 in the U.S. over the past 34 years that they've studied. There was an additional 400 to 800 deaths per year beyond what we expected, or an additional 13,000 to 27,000 excess male deaths within 12 months of turning 62. That's 2% or, in layman's terms, two out of every 100 men in the male population. What they really think is these deaths are concentrated among the 10% of men who retire at 62. So instead of two in 100, it would be closer to two in 10. So that's actually as high as a 20% increase. Uh, You know, it goes on to say, you know, retirement could have positive long-term benefits for your health because you're taking better care of yourself, or it could be that in the long run, retire retirement has a negative effect. You can think of how a retiree slowly withdraws from the world because he no longer has a reason to engage with the world. And that is one thing, you know, just to take the opportunity, you know, just on air to, to preach to people is, hey, you, you need to make sure that you're doing something. You know, you've talked, you've talked plenty of times, Tom. You're like, I don't plan on retiring ever because – you know, you, you, what you, you love, you love the, <laughs> you love the business and what else would, you know, what else would you do? And, you know, once, it, once you have that in your mind, you've got a plan, you know, and it, that's right. So I, I do think that, uh, people need to stay engaged regardless of, of whatever time of life they're in. And, um, uh, it makes a lot of sense to do that, and um, it can be very healthy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, John Short, you getting ready to retire? I'm not ready to retire now. It's not, it's not good to retire right now. Okay. How you doing? I didn't find that song I heard. That Sugar Foot Rag. I first heard that song from Porter Wagner before I heard from Jerry Reed. Well, that's uh, kind of how the cookie crumbles. Yep. <laughs> and we're going to win today by Tim Biggins. All right. Sounds good. Our baseball team won last night. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't following it. Um, well, John, when are you working this week? Okay, Monday, 915 to 115, Friday, 9 to 1. Okay. If you want to run into the real John Short, you want to go to the Euclid Kroger's at one of those different times, and he will be there. That's right. And, and you get to, when you had to lay in the root book yet, or what? No, I haven't been able to find that. Okay, and then I'll get to the Michael Sands with God, Faith, and Reason. Okay. I'll keep an eye on those. We're we're doing more just business now instead of politics these days, but uh, I will try to keep an eye open for those books, John. Okay, Doggy. There's one thing you forgot to do when we begin the show today. You forgot to read the Bible. That's true. I I I need to I need to start. Uh, I need to focus on that. Yep. We just don't have as much time as we used to, but I appreciate it, John. Okay, Doggy, and. Our best singer, our best singer, win today. We're going to win a double header today, and our women's basketball team is going to win tomorrow. All righty. Well, thank you. Welcome, and we need to pass that immigration bill without that DACA. We don't need that DACA thing. That's right. Okay, John, take care. Appreciate it, John. Yeah, you're right. I didn't read the Bible. I should have earlier, and uh, I I was so anxious to get into what we had here that. Uh, I forgot to do that, and that's that's wrong on my part. Um, let's talk about uh, this is a, a item that we've owned in the past, uh, Nestle, and uh, it talks about Nestle's fortunes melting like ice cream. Um, this has been a, a a good holding of ours, uh, or it was in the past, but it's reflects on uh on uh uh consumer staples and uh why you would or would not own them and you might want to yeah <coughs> so you know uh, as tom said you know this is something that we own in the past and and we've since sold uh the you know the reason we, we've had plenty of questions around why why we sold a lot of our consumer staples exposure and this this article has a you know it, so I'll, I'll jump in here it says the world's largest food company reported unexpectedly weak sales thursday organic growth which is arguably nestle's most important performance metric slipped to just 1.9 percent year over year for the fourth quarter for 2017 overall organic growth of 2.4 percent was the lowest in at least two decades the U.S., where Nestle sales fell despite a boost from price increases, is at the heart of the problem. So, when you look at the organic growth, that is solely on not any... So, inorganic would be buying another company, an outside acquisition. 
organic growth is a mix of two things. It's increasing volumes and increasing prices. And when you look at what a lot of the consumer staples companies have done over the past five to six years is a lot, the bulk majority of this organic growth has been driven from price increases, not necessarily volume increases. Uh, you know, we find that that's not, that's not the worst thing ever, but it's, it's problematic when you have a company that trades at a price to earnings multiple well above its historical norms. And they're not showing a growth rate to justify the means. And you know, we, not saying that Nestle is going to go bankrupt tomorrow. We, we, that is not in the cards in our heads at all. The problem being is, is we always want to make sure that we know how much it goes back to the, the buying the put options and, and selling the, the selling short the VIX to create your income. We always want to know how much we're paying for the income that we're producing. Right. And, a, you know, a big problem that we've had is with, with a lot of these consumer staples is we felt like we were overpaying to produce the necessary income in a retirement portfolio. Right. And the another thing that the consumer staples have been doing, they've been trying to cut costs. You know, you look at Kraft Heinz, for example, and they've done a great job, you know, just, you know, cutting, they call it zero-based uh, budgeting, um, which has made their operations more profitable. But even then, you look at their revenues, and the revenues aren't growing. Uh, same, it's the same story as with Nestle. Yeah, and, and it actually goes in here, and then the same thing's happening in, in Kraft's uh, pieces too. But it says, U.S. ice cream is an extreme example of what is happening in food and drink markets across the world. New brands are seizing share. Nestle's most visible response has been to buy a few of them. This is a Band-Aid for a deep gash. The company can only return to health and maintain its high stock market valuation if it uses its own brands to give consumers what they want. Because anytime you buy a company, you're usually paying a higher price than what you could do it yourself for. That's right. And the, the importance here is that we look at various types of asset categories within the market. One of them is consumer staples. It's, it was a great go-to area for, for some time, but it got too expensive, and then the earnings began to slow down. That's why you have to keep an eye on what you own and what you're doing when you're buying things. Um, let's see here. Let's look at this thing, uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, while, while we're talking about sectors, um, this is off of um, First Trust uh, portfolios. Um, and uh, they, they, they actually have a pretty good uh, daily you know commentary on different sectors in the market, just uh, putting the numbers out there. Um, but this one in particular is talking about, uh, REITs, real estate investment trusts, uh, which we do own some, um, the, the typical thought is when interest rates rise, then the, the price of these REIT stocks will go down. Uh, that 
can be true, and in the short run, a lot of times that's true because it, it can be kind of a, a, a proxy with what interest rates are doing. Um, but they look back to the year 2000 through 2017 uh, and comparing what the 10-year Treasury yield did and how what the an aggregate average of REITs, uh, how they performed. Um, so you, you look at... Uh, a couple years in particular, um, 2009, um, the, the, the rate, uh, increased, uh, but the, the average of the REITs actually did well. Um, so the annual total returns posted by the REIT index have been positive, even in those years in which interest rates have risen. Uh, historically, REIT prices have tended to decline as interest rates begin their ascent, but then recover over time, provided that the cause of the increase in rates is a stronger economic activity. Um, Which just goes to show you that certain asset classes can perform well with the market, even when it would appear that they might not. Right, because in in improving economic conditions, it's the assumption that the landlords can raise their rents. You know, it's, it's as yeah. simple as that. Because a, a lot of REITs, when they have their 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 tenant agreements, those contracts are you know maybe 10, 20 year contracts, but they have uh, what's called a CPI adjustment right. in the contract. So, you know, let's say that the the consumer price index, which is an inflation gauge, is up three percent one year. Well rent is able to go up by three percent that year that's right mm-hmm. stay with us you are listening to the tom dupree show it's news radio 630 wlap real stories stocks plunging military parade in the memo daca for real life things that we have here in america with how much money i have my youngest son is in the military check in often for updates it affects your life every day news radio 630 wlap hi this is tom dupree jr Market volatility, it seems like it's definitely with us these days. During times like this, it pays to know what your investment plan is. At Dupree Financial Group, we help retirement investors build dividend-producing portfolios from securities that pay dividends. If that's your plan as a retirement investor, then give us a call at 859-233-0400 or look at our website at DupreeFinancial.com and check us out on Facebook. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 right here on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. You know, it's hard to stay 
in your category sometimes when it appears that so many things out there would try to get you out of it. You can look at the Dow Jones. You can look at different types of investing and say, well, you know, that looks good. This looks good. But in order to stick to certain uh, criteria, you have to be uh, uh, diligent. And um, Adarsh Mashru, who is uh, with our firm, did a white paper this week about um, dividend growth investing. Uh, one of the things that he talked about, he said um, uh, Ned Davis did some research. Between 1972 and 2012, dividend-paying stocks in aggregate returned 8.8% annualized with a standard deviation measure of volatility of 8.8%. On the other hand, non-dividend-paying stocks returned only 1.6% annualized with a higher standard deviation of 25.6%. Whenever there is a cash flow stream coming from a security, it will tend to give it more stability. Right. That's how it works. Right. And typically uh, dividend paying companies uh, they're they're not startups these are more mature businesses um, which that's where the dividend comes from and that's why a lot of these companies have a long history and consistent history of paying those dividends um, and once a company starts paying the dividends it's it's harder for them to cut it uh, because people have now started investing in this company uh, assuming that that dividend is going to be there. Um, and so the, the management is more on the side of the investor to return uh, capital to shareholders. Yeah, and, and when you look at from a, a portfolio perspective in retirement, too, the fact that it, it lays it out perfect on that, that, that growth performance metric, if you're taking income from an account, and you touched on it earlier in the hour, Tom, if you're taking income from an account, <laughs> you could have a very lumpy stream of returns. You could have negative 5%, negative 5%, up 20%. And what happens is, is it all comes down to timing at that point if you're just a growth investor with no income stream is that you're liquidating in a down market, you're liquidating in a down market, and then when it actually comes back, you don't have the same amount of oomph in your portfolio left to, to catch back up. Whereas if you were taking income solely from dividends and interest from bonds uh, or something of that nature, an income-producing vehicle, then you know, you've got... you you've got time on your side. You've basically taken time and put it back on your side. Right. And over the last, uh, you know, couple weeks, it's, it's a prime example of why we take the approach that we take because a lot of our clients are taking the distributions like you're talking about, and they need that regardless if the market's choppy or if it's, you know, like a lake, like it was in 2017, yep. you know, there's not much volatility at all. Those, the, life doesn't work that you have to have what you need. <laughs> you need what you need in retirement. You know, you, you've got to have that income. 
And I, you don't want to be liquidating when things are choppy. And to Philip's point, uh, I would think hard and long about doing it at age 62 unless, you know, you have a pension or something like that. I've got a friend that did retire at age in his in his late 50s, and he's, you know, but he has a pension, mm-hmm. long-term pension. Right. So. Yeah, the, the younger you are, and if you're taking a distribution from a portfolio, the, the younger you are, the longer that portfolio has to last. And it has mm-hmm. to sustain these ups and downs in the market. It has to generate that income for you. And uh, that's depending on the withdrawal rate that you're having to take from your portfolio, um, that can be challenging. Yeah, and, and another thing Tom just touched on, too, was the, the whole pension thing. You know, you're, those are those are great. Uh, not a lot of people do pensions anymore. Um, but you also, I would recommend to someone who does have a pension, they need to have a secondary form of uh retirement savings as well because there's a lot of life events that that happen you know the you could need to replace your roof uh you can't call the pension company up and say hey (laughs) i'm gonna need an extra four grand this month the roof's leaking on me you can't do that you know so you need to have some sort of savings and the other side of it too as well is you know if if you're married and, and have children or something, grandchildren, something of that nature, and let's say you just took a, you know, a hundred percent pension, you know, with no survivor option, <laughs> you know, let's say you pass away, you're you're basically leaving a lot of people there to to make up that income. You have to plan for it. That's right. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I do do want to say um, we're gonna post. Uh, links to our Facebook page. This will be uh, on some of the articles that we've been talking about today. And throughout the week, we're posting um, things that we believe are helpful for investors. And uh, that's the Pre Financial Group Facebook page. Yes. That that video from Bloomberg's actually. Yep. We're going to put Schwartzman on there. So uh, check us out on on Facebook um, and you'll kind of get information from us throughout the week. Right. So what we were trying to do here was was focus on the idea that uh, it makes sense to have uh, an investment focus that you can understand, that you can quantify. If you want to be a growth investor, be a growth investor. We like dividend investing because we can understand it. We think it gives you a chance for some income. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show right here on News Radio 630 WLAP. I've had Mike Johnson and Philip Sexton with me. You have a great weekend. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.